I thought a geek was smart and nerdy. And then a nerd was just nerdy and not necessarily smart. Well, I don't have more information to provide on this. So if you're just going to vamp for 10 minutes trying to figure it out, let me know. Moving on. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched Super 8. So when we decided to do this, I remembered really liking Super 8. And that's really like, and I remember it being like a precursor to Stranger Things. Um, I wasn't sure how I'd feel about it. I knew that I'd still really like it. Um, but I forgot how much I liked it and like how great of a director J.J. Abrams is. Um, like the opening started after like the Bad Robot and Amblin intro. And I was just like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm ready for this. Um, and then watching it again, how closely linked it is to stranger things was crazy to me but i really loved this watching it again and i'm glad we did it alan what did you think it's incredibly close to stranger things like to the point where i'm pretty sure um the uh the brothers who directed and created uh, stranger things watched this and then they were like hey i have a very original idea for a TV show. Um, but I mean, look, there's like, there's enough. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, if you're going to make a show where children are your main characters based in the 80s, and it's going to be like an alien monster show, I'm hard pressed to figure out how different you would make it from this. Because this is like, and and this is coming from someone who's watched Stranger Things first and then watched this. So it's very hard for me to kind of be like, well, is there any other way to do a, an 80s-based uh, TV show or movie surrounded by, like, middle school, high school kids? Um, aesthetically, it's so similar. Plot-wise, it's so similar. But then again, being like, you know, oh, the Russians did it. Oh, the Soviets did it. I mean, that's really what the the people in the 80s really thought and really blamed most of the stuff on, you know? So Right. And this is technically set in 79, but it, it still feels like no different than like than you know, strange things than the, the nostalgia, the 80s nostalgia of that. So it's kind of interesting. It's set. A little bit before that and then i did read that there are like some anachronisms in the movie some things in there that are like didn't come out until the 80s so maybe that adds a little bit to it um where does it say 79 because the only the only dates i remember is when the when it's like not thursday and then um when it's like uh the the guy right i i don't know his name the kid is like um uh, I'll, I'll get back into disco donnie Donnie, yeah, Donnie is like, I'll, I'll get back into disco. And I was like, okay, so it's, it's, you know, disco's dying and it's the 50s and 60s and the 70s for disco. But I'm like, okay, so that's why I thought it was like, well, I thought it was like 83, 84. Um, the internet told me it was 79. Oh, okay, you cheated. I get it. <laughs> it's not a test. Um, 
no, but listen, I mean, this obviously came first. This is great. Um, this is like, I was excited knowing that it was, you know, written, directed by J.J. Abrams. I really like J.J. Abrams for the most part. So how do you become a director where your first movie is Mission Impossible 3? That's what I want to know. Like, uh, He directed Alias, the TV show. Oh. Five, five episodes? Still, though. And then he was the executive producer. I'm wondering if he wrote Alias. I think that's why... Oh, like Josh Whedon with um, Lost. Kind of like that kind of start. Uh, yeah. Firefly. He actually wrote... <laughs> he created Lost, too, it says. No, no, no. I was thinking... Wait. Okay, didn't Josh Whedon... I know Josh Whedon created Firefly. Didn't Josh Whedon also direct some Lost episodes? Or Maybe. am I, am I so- thinking of J.J. Abrams? I don't know, because it says that Alias was created by J.J. Abrams, and then it says Lost was created by J.J. Abrams. So I'm pretty sure when you create those things, you're allowed to direct Mission Impossible 3, which also Mission Impossible 3 was coming off of Mission Impossible 2. So beggars can't be choosers. I don't even know what that means, because everyone knows that Mission Impossible 2 is the best Mission Impossible. Yeah. When you start with that Limp Biscuit song and him climbing in Utah and then throwing the sunglasses, very clearly, that's the best one. Uh, let's get back to it. I think some of, the, uh, some of the acting in this is really great. This is, I was trying to think back, I think this is the second thing I ever saw Elle Fanning in, which is funny because probably for the first part of her acting career, she was Dakota Fanning's sister. And now I think she is Elle Fanning. I was so... so <laughs> and Dakota Fanning is Elle Fanning's sister. Um, she's, she's still Dakota Fanning. Um, I, I was so surprised. I didn't know Elle Fanning was in this. Um, so I was quite glad that um, she was. Um, yeah, I, think that, I think the first thing I ever saw her in was Somewhere, which is uh, the Sofia Coppola movie with Stephen Dorff. I don't know if you ever saw that. The first thing I've ever seen Elle Fanning in was she was a about to be dead five-year-old victim on one of the episodes of Criminal Minds. Um, and then she was, uh, Taylor and I binged The Great on Hulu last year during the pandemic. And uh, that was really good. She was amazing in that. So I was really glad to see her too in here. And you know what's really funny is that she's an amazing actress, but she's also like her character is an amazing actress. No, it's really funny. Yeah, some of her best acting is in the fake zombie movie um, in in this. Um, The other person I want to talk about was the guy who played her dad, uh, Ron Eldred. I did not like his acting. I thought he was horrible. Disagree. But really, you thought he was good? Yeah. I mean, he was playing a drunk father and then a scared father. I, I thought he was, he was fine. Do you know what else he has been in? I, I looked him up like right after I, because I, I was like, he's so familiar. I, so I looked him up. I looked his, at his entire MDB. It's justified again. It is justified. He was also in a movie from 1999 that I really loved called Mystery Alaska where a professional hockey team comes up to Alaska to play a local group of hockey players who 
I think either against all odds win the game or just compete a lot better than they should. But that's a really great movie. I know I thought he was really good in this. I I definitely didn't think he was bad. He also just has had the same haircut like the his entire career. Um, I like the mystery that they set up with him. I, I don't know why I thought he was bad. I just I just thought he was the weakest link. I mean, were the kids great a hundred percent of the time? No, but you know, the kids were good actors for being kids. Um and then of course, I don't know his name, but the Friday Night Lights. Kyle Chandler? Yes. You put some respect on Kyle Chandler's name. Kyle Chandler is an amazing actor. I love him in Bloodline and uh, Godzilla and anything else I really see him in. Um, so I got excited when I saw him. I was like, oh, he's a down and out dad. Hey, like Hopper. Hopper from Stranger Things. Um, Except it's not his kid in Stranger Things. Yeah, those two characters are probably the most similar thing about this movie, besides like yeah. the, the government interaction uh, trying to hide an alien. Well, his his relationship, both characters' relationship and how they handle the government is exactly the same way, too. Um, yeah. Even, this, even the scene where he escapes the the uh, air force barracks as he's being held i like i i kind of got confused going back and forth thinking about like how it happened in stranger things versus this like those are the most like kind of startling similarities to these two movies um and also this takes place in ohio and that takes place in indiana yeah like and both small towns and yeah um i think both movie fake towns which I think you have to do. Let's get to the movie. Um, Cause this thing is, it's pretty, it's pretty quick. Like it's an hour and 50 minutes, but I think it's very well paced. You get into the action pretty quick. There's some pretty classical like exposition in the beginning, just to set everything up. Um, I do like the way they set up the mom dying with like the, shouldn't laugh at that but the classical like pulling down the numbers for how many days before you've had an accident to like i was actually really impressed that they had the funeral after one day after she died i don't know that that was maybe the exact way it happened but yeah they they did they got everything done fairly quick um and then they just have the i guess charles mom just explain like you know i don't think you know jack can handle this and what's going to happen to joe Although we don't see see her bring over like any casseroles or anything to help out, you know, she she um, didn't seem to care too much. Without shitting on her so bad um, or too bad, uh, I really enjoyed the little. It was quick, right? It's a quick little scene um, where his parents were like, "Hey, Joe, you know, you can always like you always have a place to stay here with us." And so, and I thought that was like a really nice little and like the look that the two parents gave each other, like. I feel bad for the kid, you know, and I, I thought that established um, their characters pretty fast. I mean, we don't have to stay on them for very long. They're not main characters. So, but I thought it did what it set out to do. Another thing I really liked in the beginning was when Mr. Daniard came over to, I guess, apologize. And it sets up this mystery, like who the hell this guy is. And very quickly, I realized like, oh, he's, he uh joe blames the accident not joe 
What's his dad's Jack. name? Jack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could have had some more distinct names there, Jack and Joe, but whatever. Uh, Jack blames the accident on uh, Mr. Danyard. And uh, I was like, oh, did, was he operating the machine when it happened? Or like, did he, was he drunk and he like fucked up and it killed her? Like, that's some fucked up shit. No. It wasn't that at all. It was just he he didn't show up, so she took his shift, and then um, she and I was like, okay, that's. I think I would have liked it better if he directly caused it somehow. But then you couldn't really justify the forgiveness in the end of the movie for that either. Right. I also am like, what did Jack arrest him for? Was it like trespassing or? I mean, dude, you could have probably arrested him on. How did you get here? I drove. Well, you're clearly drunk. So was he? Did he do a? Did he do a breathalyzer? Did he field sobriety test him in the house before he like threw him out? You're right. I would love to the riveting subplot where Jack brings Mr. Danier to the um, jail. A full, a full five minute scene of him touching his nose, walking in a straight yeah. line, mm-hmm. just to establish yeah. that there's no like abuse of power here. That's what that's what you need. Him calling for his attorney. His attorney showing up saying. You don't have any reason to hold my client. And then he leaves. Yep. That guy couldn't afford an attorney, so it would have been a public defender. Well, the public um, defender would have said it. Maybe. I, but I do agree with you. Like, it, the, the opening leaves, like, some things mysterious, but it, it, like, also explains a lot. I think it's, like, a nice mix of that. And then that four-month jump into getting things going puts enough time for Joe to, like, starting to not get over his mom's death, but we're not wallowing in, like, the the grief where kind of like, you know, he, he's moving on with his life, but there's still a lot there for him to be emotional towards. So I thought that was like a good, the wound's still fresh, but not like too fresh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you, I like the the setup too of like school being out. Cause then it, it sets up this, uh, this fight between Joe and his dad because his dad wants to send him off to baseball camp basically because he doesn't want to have to raise him. Yeah. Um, and then also he, you know, Joe doesn't want to leave because he wants to help make the movie. And the dad's just like, listen, I don't, I don't mind your friends, but all this stuff you're doing, I don't, I don't really approve of this lifestyle you've got going on of making <laughs> movies. I really wanted to know, like, I wasn't too sure how small town and like close minded people were or like he was going to be. I was like, is he just going to be like, I don't want you to do that dumb old film business or something like that. I was like, okay. Yeah. If he's going to get very bigoted or not. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, he, he kept pretty cool about it, I thought. Um, I, I really loved, again, a quick scene, but very establishing, very telling, is when Joe catches his dad crying in the bathroom. I thought that was really, really good and like important for the audience to have. No, no, yeah, I agree. Because it's like, it does, you know, it shows he's not just kind of a one note character. Um, that I also, this is the setup of bringing in Elle Fanning when uh, Charles is like, oh, I'm bringing her in to play a character. And Joe's just like, really? You talk to her? Alice Daniard? Really? You know what's funny about Alice Daniard is like, you think that there's going to be this like popularity hierarchy within like the group or anything like that. And I mean, she's, pretty girl i guess older maybe by like a year i mean she's definitely like taller than all of them but um but i I guess girls sometimes grow taller 
faster than guys do until they catch up. Right. But um, it really wasn't that like the popularity thing, like it, it it wasn't that at all. And I really thought it was going to be more reliant on that. Well, the movie doesn't really establish their relationship to anyone else in the school really, which is why it happens during summer. Like, there's no establishing like, Oh, if she's a popular girl or if she's like an outcast, it doesn't establish like, you know, these are nerdy kids that like make films, although they're not too smart because you see the C on Joe's homework. So it's like, but it doesn't take. So he's a nerd and dumb, which is like the worst. uh, I think there's a different term for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is that a geek? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I thought a geek was smart and nerdy and then a nerd was just nerdy and not necessarily smart well i don't have more information to provide on this so if you're just gonna vamp for 10 minutes trying to figure it out let me know moving on i i like when alice pulls up in the car and then she freaks out because it's the deputy kid and deputy's kid she's like you didn't tell me about this and he's so excited that she know that he she, you that know she who knows i am who he is yeah yeah um also I got right away who was who, that she was Danyard's daughter um, because of the car. And I thought that was a great, like, if you're paying attention, that's a great catch before anything like that is like verbally established. Right. Well, and you can also kind of tell a little bit, she knows the whole story too. Like, so it's part of it is, you know, I'm not allowed to drive and this is the deputy's kid, but the other part of it is, you know, my dad killed his mom and I didn't realize I was going to be put in this very awkward situation. Yeah. I think it's kind of unfair that she knew everything and he was like kind of in the dark about it, I guess. Well, maybe cause we don't know when she goes and you know, we'll get to it when we get to it. But when she does the whole, like my dad's responsible for killing your mom thing later on, it's not like he acts like he's never heard this before, right? He, I mean, he has to figure that with, I think he knows, but we don't as the audience know. But this kind of goes back to what I was saying about that there, there was not, I, yeah, you can blame him for that, but there's not really that much blame to go around. So it's not like, yeah, Jack could totally be, you know, spite, um, spiteful about it. But there's no reason Joe that should hang that over, you know, Daniel's head. Well, right. And the the reason we don't find out what happened until late in the movie is because, you know, I assume the director, writer, JJ, doesn't want us thinking like, oh, well, why is, you know, he's wrong for being so mad, right? It leaves a mystery. And these are the main characters. And we're like, oh, no, you know, this guy clearly had something to do with it. And like, we're team Jack and Joe. Um, until you find out later and realize, okay, it's more of a muddled situation. And, um, you know, it's good that he forgives him in the end. Um, the, uh, the little plot device, um, a MacGuffin, if you will, um, of the necklace, I thought was cute. Although I thought that they could have done more with it. Um, did you have an issue with it or did you also think maybe they could have done more with it um i'll talk uh, the only issue i had a little bit i had some thoughts about the end what happens to it but yeah not i mean really it's just like a a token that he helps him think about his mom 
Um, and so at no. the end of the movie, he was like, don't need that bitch anyways. So <laughs> we'll talk about it when we get there. Uh, and the last thing before we get to the train, I love the line. Preston, like, is the, probably the nerdiest of all of them. And he doesn't have much to do. But I love when he's talking to the other kid who's obsessed with fireworks, Carrie. And he's just like, your obsession with fireworks, and I'm saying this as a friend, concerns me and my mother. Like, that whole line reading is so great, like, and so funny. It, it's, there were some real good lines that were given to the kids. Um, that's a good one. I think anything that comes out of Charles's mouth was meant, as one would say. Um, you know what's funny is, so I was looking up the kids – and I think Joe and I think Carrie, like a lot of them have done other things. Yeah. The kid who plays Charles has done nothing else. He actually is now linebacker for Montana team of football. That was my that, attempt. He said that so naturally. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you. Um, he became a football player is another way I could have said it. Um, and and that's his career now, <laughs> so so that's a thing. Um, but uh, you know what's weird is actually Taylor and I were talking about this too. Is that you would think being in this movie, um, written directed by J.J. Abrams, produced by Steven Spielberg, is like a make it or break it thing with your career. And I think only out of all the kids, only L. Fanning actually made something of it. No, I think Joe, so a couple of the other kids did some other stuff. I don't know what they're doing now. Joe seems to be in a, like a lot of like the teen streaming movies. Um, All right. Like, like he's he would, in the kissing booth and yes. like, but, so that's the funny. I was like, I haven't seen him anything. He also looks completely different. Uh, Carrie also has gotten a lot taller. He was like a little, he, I wonder if he was like much younger than the rest of them. Cause he's so much shorter than everyone in this. And then he's like blown up now. Um, yeah. And then there's uh there's another guy I totally forgot his name, but he, uh, he actually did a lot before this. And then this looked like it was his like last thing, um, which is weird. Like I'm saying like, okay, so Joe, that, that kid, he, he's now like Netflix streaming teen movies or whatever. Um, and then Carrie, maybe a couple other stuff, but it's so weird how not all of these kids career absolutely launched. Um, and with Charles, it was his, not only his first thing, but his last thing, which is another weird thing about this too. Well, I was reading that they like, they auditioned like 5,000 kids for these parts. So, um, I imagine they were pretty worried about it. Uh, the next thing in the movie, I think, is probably the like the most iconic part of this movie. It's the train scene. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. What train scene? You mean the one where it blows up? Yeah. Well, first of all, you have that part, but then this combines like kind of the best elements of it because it's got like the kids making the movie. It's got the first time you kind of know that there's an alien involved because that door just gets fucking annihilated off the train and then falls like very close to killing Joe. Um, yeah, that whole scene's great. It's like, I'm pretty sure it's what plays in the trailer when you, if before this came out, but it, it, it re that part really holds up. The CGI I think really holds up too. I thought the CGI was pretty good um, on the train, not the entire movie. 
I very quickly realized why they were hiding the monster for like 90% of the film. Um, but, you know, what, I think, what, what movies can you think of where you're just like, all right, that's an awesome monster. The Great Wall? Is it The Great Wall? <laughs> yeah, it's The Great Wall. It's actually, um, it's the host. Um, <laughs> that's 03, uh, so. Yeah, no, I, I don't know, man. I, I think, look, you look at movies like Star Trek and Star Wars where you create all these creatures and all these aliens. Um, and yes, J.J. Abrams so happens to be the, you know, the tying through um, all of them together. But the, the special effects are amazing in those. And I'm just wondering if he couldn't get the budget to like really blow us out of the water with this one. Um, or if all the money went... Actually, another fun fact is that, you know who did the special effects for this movie? Oh. Lucas Films. That makes sense. A little bit of Spielberg, a little bit of George Lucas, a little bit of JJ, a lot of JJ Abrams. But um, look, yeah, the train uh, absolutely, you know, being annihilated and blowing up everywhere was amazing. Um, I don't think that's what would happen if a car, if a truck, hit a train head on like that. I don't think it would have caused that much disaster. I don't think it would cause anything. I think the truck would get knocked off the track and the train would keep moving. Also, you talked about very nonchalantly how the door almost killed Joe. You realize for all those kids to still be alive at the end of it, how fucking lucky they all would have had to been. And then on top of that, Mr. Woodward in in the truck not being absolutely in a million pieces. It's like it, that took me a little bit out of the movie. I was like, I understand why it couldn't, but it it did. And I think he had to have like reinforced that the front of that to knock it off the track with titanium. And only <laughs> half of the truck is annihilated, and not the half that he's on. And you saw like from Joe's perspective when it hit that all that fire, and I was like, come on. I mean, this is an Amblin movie, though. Like, what did you expect? <laughs> Just like oh, they, I know, they find Charles's head. <laughs> it would have been when you know what when they found all that fake blood under like one of the um, train cars, and they were like, "Oh shit, it's it's Elle Fanning. She's dead." I was like, "Hell yeah!" Now we're like, now this is a movie. Like, and then she like appears behind him, and they're like, "Oh, it's fake." But I'm like bullshit one of the i'm like i'm waiting for like one of the kids in the background to like be annihilated yeah i mean very fortuitous it's also very fortuitous that like the air force first of all how are they surrounding all of this so quickly like where did they come from but then that the fact that the kids were able to get away like it looked like they were coming from all directions and it's like oh wait they're nowhere near the car not only were they coming from all directions but they were coming on foot and I'm like, where would you have to be to come on foot in like the five minutes that you just heard that your train blew up? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because this train, it looked like from the map that Woodward had was going cross country. So, um, yeah. I mean, but this does play in a little bit into the like the the 80s fear of not just the, you know, the government is like, 
you know, is like this omnipresent being that can like, you know, that you can't escape from. Although these 10 year old, 11 year old kids escape from them pretty easily. With all those nitpicks, I still love the scene. Um, That's really great. One thing I wanted to ask you about this, uh, Mr. Filmmaker, is Charles Scream's production value as the train's going by. And I'm just like, the sound has got to be horrible, though. Like, you're not going to be able to hear anything. And then the edit later, you're like, oh, wow, that worked really well. No way you would have heard a single word (laughs) out of those kids. I don't care how loud they were screaming. Um, I mean, what you would have to do is shoot it that way and then just redub over it. Although I honestly like, you know, when they come back and he's like, oh, this would be such a cool background. Um, I mean, they go and shoot on the hill and you have the train crash and the helicopters and the government agents like um, going around the crash site and all that's their background for this zombie movie that they're shooting. I'm like, I would totally do that. That's a once in a lifetime opportunity to get all that footage. Like, hell yeah, sign me up. No, yeah, it was good stuff. Um, it did bother me. This is a small nitpick. How every zombie in Charles's movie looked like Carrie. I'm like, why does every zombie look like this little boy? <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> like, couldn't they have gotten other kids from school? Like, they got Alice Danyard. Couldn't well, they we, have gotten we, anyone we else? See- we see the movie at the end and you see the one kid you don't recognize and he's the worst fucking actor in the world. Like what was he delivering? I can't remember. He was delivering a package or something like, so clearly there wasn't a lot of talent in this school. I don't remember that, but I, did you, I take... did, did you watch the short film at the end? No, I did. I thought it was great. I just, I was kind of like looking up everyone's IMDb and I wasn't right. paying like a hundred percent attention to it, but um that was probably one of the best ways that I've ever watched credits. Like before Marvel kind of like gotten the, the like you got to watch all these boring credits to, for the cool post-credit scene. Putting like a fake movie that, that your main characters were making throughout the making of your own film and watching that at the end is like, I couldn't think of a better way to end your movie during the and, credits. And the fact like after you see it, you're like, like, I couldn't imagine them not doing it. I'd be pissed if they didn't do it. You know what I mean? Also, Um, after you do see it, you have to ask yourself, what was that short film movie about? Like, it was about capitalism run amok and the fact that, you know, the average American suffers. It was really an allegory for, (laughs) um, yeah. No, I mean, it was was an allegory for cancer. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. Annihilation was an allegory for depression, cancer, mental illnesses as a whole. It's the five stages of grief from cancer is what you told me. I believe it. So the next day, I love when Joe goes over to Charles and like Charles's house. He doesn't see him. Then you look over and Charles is just staring at the TV. And this is after he's like, He's like, Alice is freaking out. And, he, and Joe's like, everyone act cool and don't say shit about this. You're going to get Alice in trouble. And then Joe's just like acting completely, or Charles is acting like completely um, conspicuous and just like staring at the, the news coverage that no one else cares about. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like, dude, if, if, a, if a train exploded outside of my town, I would be, I'd be super interested. Like I'm actually surprised the parents weren't like, 
what is this about you know well they got to get the kids to school and go to work so you know like no they don't time it's summer so you got to watch the kids that's Uh, even worse that's even worse now i really really um i really enjoyed charles's family dynamic like you have charles and then you have his mom and his dad but then you and you don't have to have this right but you have younger twin brothers and an older hot sister and then like an older i the way they made it seem like if she was like not that attractive but i honestly can't even remember her face i just remember he had two sisters because of what donnie said yeah but it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of how you said in dead man down there was just like kind of plot for plot's sake like you can see the the strings being like tied together because you need a way for the kids to get back into town. So you need Donnie. And then in order to get Donnie, you need the older sister. And then in order to get the, in order to get the older sister, you need the twins. I see it now. Um, JJ is writing this entire script. He gets to the point where the boys need to somehow get back into town. And he's just like, I, you know, at this point, Charles is an only child and a mom and a dad. And then JJ's like, I don't know. I don't know where this goes. You know, he goes to Steven Spielberg, his mentor. It's like, Steve, I, I don't know what, where this goes. And then Steven Spielberg is just like, well, what if Charles had a super hot sister and the weed guy from the, from the vinyl, you know, from the um, video store wants to date her. And now you have this, like, he has to go back like five drafts and create, like create this entire fake family for Charles. But well, and then the twins, like, now you got to find twins. Yeah. I also, I thought the party she wanted to go to was that night. And then it's like three or four days later is the actual party. Or no, like, like the following week. It's like, bitch, your whole town is going to be burned to the ground at that point. So real quick before we get to Donnie, because Donnie's one of my favorite parts. But Joe is like, oh, wow, it looks like a disaster movie. And then this is Charles's idea to make the movie like so much bigger which I have some problems with later on. But Donnie is probably one of the funniest characters. I just love that he's like, you know, he's like, can you get me this film back overnight? And Donnie's like, asshole, no one can do that. Do you want to buy some pot? And Charles, Charles's interactions with him are so funny. She's like, uh, no, thank you. Uh, when can I get my film back? Um, you know, with like Stranger Things and the way um, the kids were directed, much like, even down to like how the kids were acting is so similar, but I, I love the lines and the, and the direction that these kids were given because it's exactly what you would think that a bunch of like 13 and 14 year olds would say. And I really love the authenticity of that throughout the movie. Um, this I also expect- had a very, this had a very anti-drug message as we'll talk about too. <laughs> it did, didn't it? It did. Yeah. At the end of the movie, instead of the short film, it's just J.J. Abrams comes out. It's like, hi, kids. I'm J.J. Abrams. And I'm here to remind you, don't smoke pot. <laughs> no, the, the reason everyone's turning into zombies is because of marijuana. <laughs> That's Charles. That's Oh, my God. At the end of that movie, Charles comes out and he's like, hi, I'm Charles Klinklimba, whatever his last name was. And then he was... Uh, that part was good. I and then he was like, "Please consider me for the for the film festival." And I was like, "That's 
really funny. Yeah, this is a Hitchcock's type stuff. Um, the next thing that I thought was we get Mr. Daynard, who you think was a bad actor, uh, coming home and seeing Alice and Joe talking. And I love like the, the two different reactions. She's like, she's not going to your party and just sort of walks away. And then you can tell like he goes inside. He's like, no, that was not nearly <laughs> strong enough. That asshole arrested me for just trying to apologize. He goes back. He's like, get the fuck out of here right now. <laughs> yeah. I was not clear enough. Yeah. Um, and I, and I really like how Alice at that point was like, no, I, I'm not, I'm not really into your movie. I don't really want to do your movie last night. scared the absolute shit out of me as it should have. Um, I'm just, I'm not in this anymore. And then just to rebel and spite her father, she's like, okay, I'll be in your movie. Well, a little bit too, like, because we find out later, she knows all that's happened. She's like, you know, he killed your mom and now he's being an asshole to you. Like, fuck that guy. Yeah. Also, she probably feels guilty. She's like, well, damn, I need to do something Um, nice to this kid. So, okay. So now uh, they're filming in front of the train and then they realize it's an air force train. And then at the same time, uh, Jack, the dad is investigating this and basically getting lied to. And then the sheriff is like, well, I don't see anything wrong. The sheriff does not do a single right thing in this movie. He no. never looks he never looks good in this movie. And then he dies. And then he dies twice. Um it's kind of it's kind of a weird character I thought to have in this film. But then also you need Jack to kind of step up um and be a worse father than he's ever been. Uh and I really do like this this kind of difference. And I, again, I'm going to compare it to Stranger Things. But in Stranger Things, Hopper, who we're comparing Jack to, is already the sheriff in this small town. Right. Um, he's not that great of a sheriff just because nothing really happens in the town. Um, Helps or, defeat the Russians. Okay, but you, yes. But you don't see that in the beginning, right? And um, Jack is like same thing except he's not sure if he's a deputy and now he has to be like this is his chance to step up and he does and when he's like going around the police station like commanding them like figuring out the 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 radio stations um and telling everyone to like do this do this do this i was like this is his arc this is where he's like turning around you know no yeah yeah i uh I do agree. Uh, and we get a lot more of that, but real quick, we get the, before that, we get the gas station scene. And I, I, about the gas station scene real quick, I feel, and this goes for a lot of parts in the movie. Do you ever like look as the scene is opening, like an establishing shot? And it's like, yep, that building's going to blow up. Well, I, I think this movie it's, and I don't know because I had already seen it obviously, but, in this movie when like a scene starts you're like like the yeah you're saying the establishing shot you're like okay yeah we're about to see it. this is an alien scene later on when you see them on the bus you're like alien scene when you see the guy on the telephone pole alien yeah, alien scene. scene you know it's coming and i didn't really like like they're done well but i wish there was a little bit more like i wish i didn't see it coming so much 
Yeah, but I mean, as I said, like this is an homage to kind of these movies where you do see it coming. And I think when you're in that frame of mind, you can just enjoy it. And that's what I did. So just get Uh, better. You know me. I I don't enjoy anything. (laughs) I really like this scene once again, because this movie is very is making a very specific choice to not show the monster. Uh, Apparently in the first script, it was never going to show the monster throughout the entire movie. And I'm glad it did a little bit. I I don't know. I almost preferred it never seeing the monster. But then again, that's kind of too close to Cloverfield. The the last thing about the gas station scene is I did really enjoy the sign rotating as the clerk is getting attacked inside so you don't see anything. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was like, it's one of those like winking nice touches that you know they're doing on purpose. Um, but I liked it. Speaking of um, nice shots during that scene, the reflection in the puddle from when the gas station clerk comes outside and looks for the sheriff. And it's that shot where you see his reflection, but then you see the alien's reflection behind him. But as he turns around, he's not there anymore. I thought that was really cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the whole, this whole movie is shot very well. Um, the next thing we get is Elle Fanning, like, how do I act like a zombie? And then being a perfect zombie which is not dissimilar to her like doing the scene and almost crying. And then like, was that any good? <laughs> it's like, you're so fucking annoying. <laughs> so fucking annoying how good you are. Um, okay. Uh, and you, you can very clearly see also like Charles is not happy with the interactions between Joe and Alice. I wondered why at first. And I thought it was really weird that, you know, later on in the movie they were like, cause I like her. And you know what really pisses me off? She likes you too. And I'm like, uh, okay. Did we need that? Like, did we need that really forced love triangle? I, I didn't think we did, but. It's not really a love triangle. <laughs> it's like a linear line. Charles is just out. <laughs> the doctor uh, said I'm going to lean up. It's just going to take time. Um, and then he never did because now he's uh, plays football. He he must have grown taller. He's pretty fucking tall in this. Yeah, that's true. Um, and you know how you know kids at that age come at various heights. Like we were saying, Carrie is really small. Joe is also quite small compared to the other kids. Um, makes me think that all the actors are various different ages, but maybe not. Maybe. Uh, the next thing we get is Jack is now in charge. He's investigating the sheriff. Apparently, there's a bunch of weird calls going on. He dogs go, go missing. Uh, yeah, Lucy's missing, and then all the dogs are missing. Like I love the the pan out of Joe looking at the sign with all the missing dogs. That was such a great shot. I really and you know what? It, at first, it was like, oh shit, are the are the is the alien eating these dogs? Like that's kind of fucked up. But no, they're just running away. Right. And then the dealership is missing all of its metal. And it's like, how much metal did this, this alien need? And I guess th- we don't get a good explanation of what this alien needs to make the ship go. It seems like he needs human power. Um, is he feeding off these humans? I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, that's unclear. I mean, again, we don't really need to know. And it's kind of a setup, right? It's kind of like, well, we need some people to go missing. And he needs this sort of metal. Like, 
he's not just taking metal, right? Because he would have taken the cars if he just needed metal. But he's taking like engines, like very specific power sources. Like I think a woman said all her microwaves vanished from her store. And I like how they think like, yeah, it's a vandal. It's definitely a one person job. It's like, no, dude, like nine engines. No. And the dealership guy blames Lewis Standard, which sets up like a plot point later. Um, But it's, yeah, (laughs) clearly weird shit is going on. All the lines are taken off the poles and they say this later, but like power has been out for two days. And by the time the air force like evacuates everyone, it's been like two and a half, three days. And it's like, people if that happened now like a town just lost power for multiple days and no one knew why people would freak the fuck out i think this is also where we come to this like nice little moment where joe is going to the cemetery to visit his mom's grave um it's a little bit after but this is where joe sees the alien or i guess he's not quite sure right um but this is where he's like what is that in the funeral shed over there? Which later brings them back to this like very big plot point in the movie. Do you feel like a lot of these plot points are just like MacGuffins and like forced plot points so that things happen the way they do in the movie? I think when you start looking into movies to try and talk about them, that this is just, that's how things happen. I, I only consider it weird when it just doesn't make sense. Um, well, I mean, for example, the, for the for the car dealership guy to be blaming Danyard for stealing like nine engines out of cars, it's like that doesn't. There's no way one guy could have done that. But we needed that to bring him into custody, right? Like it just it was kind of weird. Yeah, but I mean, this guy's just thinking like, one, it's a small town, too. Yeah, is it coincidental and? Yeah, like you're like, oh, that's a little coincidental, but it's a small town. And what's this guy gonna be like? Nah, alien, bro. <laughs> Let me tell you, alien stole my fucking engines, using it as a power source. That's why the Air Force is here. Like, it, it's easy to point out, but it's also like, I don't know, it, ma- it made sense to me. Um, but real quick, bef- the, the town hall that you talked about, mm-hmm. um, where they start blaming the Russians, and then, the, then Jack's like, we don't have any information that supports that. And she's like, well, I'm just going to think it's the Russians until you do come up with something else. Did you enjoy how like every time she was like, and I think the Soviets did it. And I think the Russians did it. And everyone in the background was like, woo, woo. <laughs> uh, but I do love the guy who talks about his ham radio and the pan in shot on Jack when he's like, can I talk to you in private, sir? <laughs> yeah, I thought that whole discovery of the of the radio and the frequencies was just really, really awesome. Um, big break in the case right there for Jack. Um, and then... Oh, well, um, this is when Louis gets brought into the station, Louis Standard, and he's like, hey, your son was over with my daughter. Keep him away. You know, I'm pissed. Um, and then this leads to... Uh, and a little bit it leads to the scene filming in front of the air force but before that you know we get some movie making stuff alice is very clearly into joe as he's talking about model trains i i mean i wasn't the best at the laying down some lines as a a 12 year old but i think i would have known enough to not be showing off my model train collection 
kind of cute though right because this is like the most loser thing like i like how he was embarrassed about his like c plus on a test but he's just so gung-ho about talking to this girl about trains um but i mean the fact that she likes him after that i'm like ah true love right and then so jack before going and finding uh you know Joe filming with all these kids finds out like the dogs they found all the dogs I guess there's really good communication from these other counties about like missing dogs um and then he hears the operation walking distance thing but real real quick remember there's a a woman in the police station who was talking about a missing person and saying last time she was seen she was wearing curlers yeah big ones Big ones. I legitimately thought she was talking about a dog. And I was like, why did you put your dog in curlers? Because <laughs> everyone else there was looking for their dogs. So I thought she was looking for her dog in curlers. And it wasn't until we see her at the end of the movie that I put two and two together. Yeah, the curlers lady makes a comeback for about a minute. And then the sheriff fucks that up. Do you think the Air Force would have acted a little more quickly with kids filming in front of them going through a person's house with like a high security risk like issue? I don't know. It was the 80s. Um, I, I'm surprised. It's the 70s. Whatever, man. I'm surprised a lot of things were allowed. Like you said, like the fact that they were like seconds behind them from from her pulling out of her car when the train crashed. I I don't know. I was just like, it's the fucking Air Force. Don't they have helicopters in the air by now? Like, can't they find this car? Um, also, her car survived. I know we didn't talk about that, but her car parked, survived. It was parked in a different spot. Who's parked in a handicapped spot? The train clearly couldn't have made it there. Um, yeah, so then Joe pulls up. Let's the Air Force know that he knows about Operation Walking Distance for some reason. And it's like, why show all your, uh, all, all your cards, you know? And then uh, the scene between him, oh, that was Jack that showed up, but the scene between Joe and Jack where he's like, you're not allowed to see Alice anymore. Are we clear? He's like, we've never been clear about anything. And this is one thing we are very clearly not clear about. We're not clear. It's good. It's just good. Uh, stand up to your father moment in a movie. Yeah. And this leads to the graveyard scene, which you talked about, which is him seeing like, Hey, something weird's going on in there. I'm going to put that, put that in my memory for later. Maybe another MacGuffin plot device coming through, but this, I guess this one works out. This one's fine. Um, he just so happens to be, you know, visiting his mom who just so happens to be buried at the same cemetery that just so happens to be used by the alien for his entrance to his tunnel you know well it's a small town i don't know how many how many cemeteries there are going to be you know yeah but why would the alien use that specific spot for the entrance to their tunnel although you do find out like loose loose dirt (laughs) i guess Actually, I was surprised how many, like, when they're traveling through the tunnels, they don't find a bunch of, like, coffins just, like, halfway dug out through the tunnel. But whatever. Um, Jack goes to the Air Force uh, to have his meeting with uh, Colonel, 
Colonel Nellick is immediately trapped by what seems to be way too many airmen. It seems to be overkill, like how many people they use to like point guns at him to trap him. Yeah, it was kind of weird, right? Because at the same time, this was like an invitation. And yet, <laughs> uh, a tra- I was confused um, because at the same time this was happening, um, uh, what's his name? Colonel Nellick. Nellick. Was, was, was interrogating um, Dr. Dr. Woodward. Woodward. Yeah. Yeah, so we find out Dr. Woodward is still alive and then he is immediately killed because he won't give up the information. This is a common theme in, uh, in this movie where people we think or should be dead, we find out are not dead and then very quickly die. What's another example of that? Uh, the sheriff and the lady in the curlers. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Good <And> pulls. Also- <laughs> um, the next scene is when Alice sneaks over and she doesn't really need to sneak because Jack is in prison basically right now. Um, and she tells Joe, don't let Charles blow up your train. He's pretty bossy. As she's being bossy, be like, don't let him blow up your train. I thought it was nice. It was. It was a cute moment. And then the home video starts playing, and this is probably uh, Elle Fanning's like greatest part of the movie when she starts crying and explaining what happened. And you know, my dad's responsible. Da da da. And so it's a really good scene. Yeah, he wishes it was him. I wish it was him too. And then he's like, "No, dude, it's your dad. Like, your mom's gone." I don't. I, did we ever get an establishing on why her mom is not there? Because dad's a drunk. Just left her with the drunk dad? Uh, well, he does say at one point in a little bit, very soon after this, uh, why don't you run away like your mother? Oh. Well, um, so I guess that is what happened. And then uh, she, she tells him what actually happened. Yeah. That the dad was drunk and missed a shift and that she came. Um, it is crazy because what she was crushed, but that necklace survived. Maybe it was in like her locker or something. She wasn't wearing it. Um, I mean, if she was crushed, I could just see that you know jewelry surviving on a person. I mean, it depends what part of her body's crushed. What if it's like a crushed at the waist sort of thing? You know, it would kill her, but it, the jewelry would be okay. I don't know. I took it as like her whole body. Apparently um, in the beginning when Charles's mom is talking about it, it's a steel beam. So maybe the steel, it's like one steel beam. So who knows where that could have gone. Potentially. Yeah. Uh, and then the cube blasts through the wall and we see it later, like on the tower, on the water tower. But did you think the first time you were watching this, that the water tower, like the cube was wanting to go in like a certain trajectory and the water tower was just blocking it from going that way? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, it's definitely what it wants you to think. So that would make sense. Not the fact that this whole thing is based on the water tower. <laughs> but yeah, that's his home base for now because it's kind of pointy and round at the top like a ship. That also doesn't make sense 
to me. Okay, so I guess at this point, and I'll get to it in a second. Don't let me forget that I want to talk about the logistics of this cube thingy. But um, don't we get the film back at this point? Um, in a second, really quickly, the scene where Alice goes home and her dad's like, you know, don't, you know, don't go upstairs. I want to talk to you. And she's like, I don't want to sit down. He's like, just leave. Be just like your mother and runs off. That scene could have been a lot darker than it was. Like he's a drunk. So it could have gotten a lot worse. And I, I think it was a smart decision to not make it be a lot worse than that. Like he crashes the car into her or he no. crashes the car and kills himself. Or what are you talking about? No. Like if he's like tries to hit her or something. Oh yeah. But I don't, I mean, it kind of was established early that he actually loves his daughter, you know? Yeah, I get it. But you know, uh, abusive father trope could have could have gone a little far, but I do love him chasing after her and crashing in the alien. Like that whole scene of her getting captured and him seeing it, I think is really great. Um. Also, do you feel like every single person in this movie, except for um, Colonel Nellick, gets a redemption arc? Uh, besides Colonel Ellick, Nellick, and Overmeyer. Overmeyer does not get. Well, Overmeyer is such a like small he, character. He's the most evil person in this movie. Because he takes the necklace? Yeah. <laughs> just like, just in case you didn't know if this guy was evil after he killed Dr. Woodward, he's then going to take the, the only thing a little boy has to remember about his dead mother. For no reason, too. Like, you didn't really need to take that away from him, you know? just to be a dick and you got what you deserved so that's good um you see the the flamethrowers as operation walking distance starts and then another donnie scene which is always good of him just like hey let your sister know i'm single again all right and charles just like okay can i please have my film (laughs) um now they have their film and now i really like this because it was like we, I think at this point, we as the audience know what's on that film. Like, we know that the alien is going to show up on that film. And now is the time where we see them see the alien, you know? Right. And they're having that argument or discussion about the fact that Alice likes Joe and Charles likes Alice and he's upset about it, which honestly, for a 10 to 12 year old, he's handling it pretty well, you know? He could have handled it a lot worse. And then he becomes like a football star. So, but I like the way that Joe, because they're standing in front of the camera, sees the alien on Charles and like pushes him and then points him to look at it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I thought that was cool too. Kind of breaks up their fight because now they have like a way bigger thing to worry about. Right. And then we get the, uh, the start of the evacuation, which is funny because they're evacuated and then immediately the kids have to go back to where they were. I also thought that was weird that they were literally just walking down the street and they're like, you know, the, the sirens and they're like evacuation time, no meeting up with their parents, no, nothing like that. Just here's a slip, get on the bus. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Get on the fucking bus. Um, and I like the scene you already said you didn't, but I like the scene between Joe and, uh, Alice's dad. 
He's like, I know you don't like me, sir, but I'm really trying to find my father. And he like starts freaking out. He's like, house has been taken. I didn't say I didn't like that scene. You questioned his acting and that's... I do question his acting. I question his acting throughout the entire movie. But um, I actually like that scene. Uh, there's another scene uh, very quick to this where once they do sneak back to the middle school, yeah, right? Because they have to figure out, oh, we've got to get back to the middle school because we have to read up on on what this thing is about. Um, Jack is breaking out of his holding cell or wherever, you know, and he dresses as one of the army guys. And I like as he's walking through the evacuation building or refuge or whatever, some little kid recognizes and he's like, hi, Sheriff. And he's like, shut up. Um, what's, what's also funny about that is the only reason Preston has to stay back is so that he can give the information to Jack. And that's one of my favorite line deliveries is where he's like, uh, yes, that's, oh, he's like, where's my kid? Like, where, where are the others? And he's like, that's all, all well and good, sir, but I need you to watch this first. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that kid gets uh, a couple good lines. Um, but I do like the setup of Alice is captured. So we need to get back to the town. And Charles is like, all right, I'm going to go to my sister and tell her to babysit. And I love, she's like, but why him? Why do it have to be him? She's like, listen, I need you to do it. You can't ask any questions. You can never know about this. And you can't tell anyone, are you in? And then the next scene is her just like, I'm really so scared. I've never noticed you before, but you know what? Uh, <laughs> you know. Would it be bad if I started off our relationship by asking you for a favor? I thought that was a really good line, too. Do you know who that is? Yeah, AJ Michalka. Michalka? Allie and AJ? Michalka, yeah. I did. Yeah. Do you think Allie went after this part, too? Who do you think is hotter? I don't know. Hmm. Are they twins or are they sisters? Sisters. Yeah, I don't know. I've never paid attention to it. this is probably the first time i ever knew. i actually met i actually met ali mashaka um when i was in la very briefly seemed nice and that's my story that's good that's good i like donnie taking them back especially like so what kind of music is your sister in uh, disco i guess i can get back into disco yep another great uh little line given to a minor character <laughs> No, Donnie's not minor. Donnie. He's a pivotal did, point in the movie. Yeah. Donnie did the most with the least and just <laughs> made the movie his own. I love how he got absolutely hot box stone in his car. And then Joe's like, You want me to drive? And he's like, uh. And the next shot, we see Joe driving and Donnie is just absolutely passed the fuck out. Well, and it makes sense too that he clearly wouldn't let this kid drive if it weren't like, I can't drive. And so to establish that in the next scene when Joe is driving, terribly, I might add, he's completely, uh, Donnie is completely passed out. So it's like the only reason it makes sense. But that happens a little after because the soldiers find them at the school and they've learned all this information at the, about the alien. And in doing so, they learned that, um, they learned a couple key things. I guess one thing is that it can telepathically communicate with you just by touching you um independence day and, and dr woodward has touched it 
and knows that it's actually, you know, like comes in peace, but we've abused or the military has abused it so much that it has this like, like hate towards humanity now. And so, you know, we need to help it instead of harm it, blah, 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 blah. And then another thing they learn is the, what the little cubes are used for. Uh, they, they get all of this, all of this information and all it leads to is Joe, like, if I'm really nice to it, it'll go away. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think it also, for me, it built up a confusing fact that why is he collecting all of this metal, the alien, right? Is if all he needs is the white cubes to make his ship. Like, what's the metal used for? Because he can't get to the white cubes. The white cubes have been taken by the uh the military and he, he gets the white cubes at the end yeah which is really weird those red trucks just happen to be there maybe like some of the air force guys are just like fuck it let's get this thing out of here and they like bring the trucks back but it doesn't make any sense that those cubes are there it doesn't make a bit of sense um but it leads to not my favorite scene we're getting to my favorite scene in a in a, in a minute here but the really cool scene where all the kids are like captured, they all think that they're going to be like killed by the air force. And then the alien comes and like helps yeah. them. Yeah. The school bus scene. It's really cool. Was it a school uh, bus? What? Was it a school bus or like a prison bus? Cause it had that weird, I don't know how many school buses you went on to, but none of my school buses had like a jail chamber inside. Does it fucking matter? It was a prison bus. Okay, cool. So the school bus scene. And it's great. It's probably the most, uh, the best look you get at the alien really until, until like the very end. I actually like the design of the alien. Um, I especially like at this point, you realize that the alien like is very smart and has feelings and is out for vengeance and has specifically chosen this bus to kill these fucking dudes and also can take a lot of bullets a lot of bullets like an unlimited amount of bullets yeah yeah he did not seem to reload but he kept shooting um no but i I just like how everything kind of just starts out like alien comes out hits the bus and then they have to do a hard turn to keep the bus on on the front um side and then Offermeyer comes out with the gun and he's just like pulled away like you know the very like basic horror movie shot well Overmeyer's like sir uh wh- where where should I hit it sir and just is taking that uh the school bus scene is very much like Jaws. Yeah. It's like they're like surrounded by this thing they don't know where it's gonna attack and then just keeps like getting people and they have to escape off of it. Yeah. And uh, what I really like about this scene too is JJ didn't really go away from showing blood and gore. Although it was kind of like PG-13 blood and gore, but it was probably the goriest um, and bloodiest scene in the entire movie. Well, and that's like classic movie where they establish how evil these guys are, so you don't really care. You know, if it's, if it's like good people getting killed, it's like you kind of see them being like wiped out, like an Independence Day. You don't see a lot of blood and stuff because it's just like, they're wiped out by destruction. That's like a lot of movies. But in this, 
you can show like the blood and make it kind of violent because these are evil dudes that we don't care if they die or even want them to die. And the way you show blood too, right, is like you don't see a bunch of graphic detail of them being like squished or like eaten or like, you know, bitten in half or anything. You just see like them and then squirt of blood, you know. Why do you think Jack – do you think Jack had already decided to forgive Lewis when he grabbed him to go find their kids together? I mean, it's the only reason that makes sense. Otherwise, you're just like, I'll just go do this on my own. Do you think he, like, he felt bad for the way he treated him? Maybe. Maybe he just thought maybe he needed him. Yeah. It'd even be kind of funny if he thought, like, I hate this guy so much that I could possibly use him as a human shield if need be. I'm just going to bring him along just in case that happens. Then he starts crying in the car and apologizing. He's like, fuck, now I can't let this guy die. (laughs) Um, I think another one of my favorite parts is the kids driving back into the town after Donnie, like, picks them back up. First of all, like, I don't know if this is true. It's probably all CGI, but it looked so well done that, like, all the tanks and stuff kind of looked practical. It's like not obviously shooting, but like it just like the way like the way it was shot and the kids driving down the road looked all very like real. Uh, it did, um, but it could have been CGI. So who knows? But it looked good. It looked it good, JJ. <laughs> JJ Abrams, if you're listening to this, seal of a seal of approval. Well, um, well done. You know, the the thing about that scene is a lot of destruction. Um, and it's kind of sad, too, because we don't see Charles after this scene um, either until the very, very end, uh, because one of the kid's legs got broken and he had to, like, stay back and fix it. Martin. Martin, yeah. Um, but those kids running through the town as the houses were blowing up, as all the tanks were misfiring, as every, all the bullets and missiles and everything was going everywhere. That's my favorite scene of the whole movie. Like more so than the initial train destruction. I thought the way everything was happening in that scene was so fucking cool. It was no, for sure. And I I love the end of it too, where uh, Carrie's like, uh, you know, fuck it, Joe, I'm going with you. I can't be with these, like, I can't be with Martin crying. And then he's like, well, you know, I need your explosives anyways. Like, this is what I'm here for. Like, because Carrie hasn't done a whole lot besides be a zombie throughout this movie. And then it's like, now is my time. Yeah. I think he was like, I can't be with these bunch of girls. And I'm yeah. like, dude has a bone sticking out of his leg. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, dude. But, um. Carrie's but- hard. Don't fuck with Carrie. But yeah, one of my favorite scenes is when, uh, you know, that little cemetery idea that uh, Joe put on the back of his the back burner of his mind right there. And he's like, I, we got to get back to the cemetery and you can't ask questions. Why just follow me? Here's like, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> it's just following you. And uh, then they get to the tunnel and then they get to the bottom and then blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, okay. Hold on, hold on. Before they get to the tunnel, there's no way those two little bitches could have knocked that door down with their shoulders. <laughs> In real life, they would still be there. Yeah, 100%. As the alien is eating, the alien's eating Alice, and it's just like, what's that light banging I hear far away? 
Um, no, we can totally get back to that. I just wanted to talk about one more thing about Carrie real quick. Uh, is that when they're finally down in the tunnels and Joe is like, did you bring your firecrackers with you? I need you to make the loudest noise possible in about two minutes. And I, all I was thinking is like, Carrie's like, this is my time, you know? I've been preparing for this. And then he's not freaked out because he's worried about the monster when his lighter's not working. He's like, how can I be so ill-prepared for this? Like, this is what I'm good at and I'm not doing it. Um, yeah, I like great. how he just, I, I like through the entire movie, he's bragging to everyone who would like have 10 seconds to listen to him. Like even the military guys at the school who've captured them. He's like, yeah, I rolled those inmates myself. <laughs> talking to the military guys like i made those explosives those are mine um so then joe finds alice wakes her up he slaps the shit out of her to wake her up awesome and then then just gets a hug because they're 11 year olds no we're not going to show like a a kissing scene there Mm -hmm. um and then the sheriff gets himself killed and the roller lady killed because she listened to the sheriff instead of going the way joe would have gone I guess. Uh, I thought they were just following behind him, no? What do you mean? I thought they were just got picked off because they were too slow. I didn't I guess I didn't catch the part where the sheriff was like, This way, Deborah. Well yeah, he's like this way, and Joe's like, Well no, I think we're supposed to go this way. And the sheriff's like, nah, we're going this way. And then the roller lady was like, Let's listen to the sheriff. It's like, all right, well, now you're dead too. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not dead, but they're probably dead. Well, this is another thing too. It's no, because the the alien definitely ate meat because in the video Woodward was feeding them meat, so he ate, he was eating those people hundred percent. Um, from here on out, there's really not a lot of dialogue. I mean, Joe purposely gets grabbed by the alien, I guess, to talk to him and just be like, "Just go, man. We're cool. Everything's cool. Like, I'm sorry, people were mean to you. Like, you can you can leave though." And then the alien's like. You know what? Probably a good idea. I miss my wife. Been stuck here for a while. 20 years. 20 years. Let's let's get the fuck out of here. I thought that would work real well. And it did. Um, because it was established that all the alien has to do is like touch you or pick you up to like telepathically read you. And Joe being like, I guess as you would like movie terminologies, pure of heart. Uh you know, he, he he picked Joe up and he's like, Joe's like, we're really just trying to help you. Uh, at least I am. And then the alien would know at that point, like, he's telling the truth, which I thought well, was like a good move. If you think about it, the alien comes up, he's just eating the sheriff and the lady. And then he's like, why is this little one yelling at me? Let me just hear what the fuck he has to talk about. And then he grabs him. He's like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, am I the monster? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I got to get out of here. Um, after that, the movie's really good. I love like Jack finding Joe and hugging him, and yep. you know, uh, Mr. Daynard finding his Alice and hugging him. And then I Joe like got, how Joe got Alice, a little handhold. I like how Alice and Joe find both of their fathers together. Right? They're like, I guess this relationship is okay now. Yeah, yeah. We're um, no longer like the Capulets and the Montagues. Montagues. Yeah. Montagues. 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 We're smart. Yeah. Um, We know our family rivalries. (laughs) 
Um, okay. And now at the end of the movie, nothing significant happens there. Yeah. I did a, even though I hadn't, I've seen this before. I did, I got a little choked up at the ending. It's, it's like really good. Oh, I hundred percent got choked up. I, I especially got choked up cause I was like, okay, so the locket necklace flew out of his pocket and he caught it. And now it's this thing where he's being pulled. The necklace is being pulled. His dad holds his hand and then the Daniels are watching them. And I, and then it's like, I, I told I told myself too. I was like, I swear to God, if that locket pops open and it's a picture of the mom, <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna shed so many tears. And it did, and it was, and I did. And then I guess it's symbolic. Him letting it go is letting go of like the pain. But it's like I don't know. I thought you'd probably want to keep that. <laughs> he'll probably regret. He'll probably he'll probably regret that in a few years. But you know, well, even especially what happens to it, like. Okay, so it gets like metally, like, you know, magnetically clung to the, like, I guess you could like search around and find it again. Nope. It just implodes upon itself, destroying every piece of metal. It's all dust. It's all dust now. Um, and then no. it goes bye-bye. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's a really great ending. And then uh, light in the mood, you get to see the zombie movie afterwards, which is really good. Do, here's a big question. Do you think they... Uh, they won the Cleveland Film Festival. I mean, that production value was amazing. Production value. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I um, I'm not sure. So, good movie. I think everyone, you know, as far as everyone, I mean, you and I, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, we were talking earlier, and you were saying how you thought. Or at least you were surprised that this never became like um, a trilogy or at least having a sequel to it. How would you see that going um, about and why do you think it would need one? It doesn't need one. I think it would be a horrible idea. Um, you, you said you were surprised though. What, what kind of elements did you, or was this before you, your rewatching of it? No, 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 no. I wasn't surprised because I thought the story needed it. I was surprised because this had a fifty million dollar budget and made two sixty, and the studio was just be like, "Oh my god, <laughs> let's do it again." That's why I was surprised. Um, and they did, and it's called Stranger Things. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon, and I finally watched Super Eight. <laughs>